Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. The motto of this show is everything you know is wrong. Does that include everything we know about North American history? Why did Christopher Columbus really go to the Caribbean? And here in Rhode to get Island, to the other side. who really yeah, did he get to the other side? Very funny, Ben. And here in Rhode Island, who really built a Newport Tower and why? Hey there, and welcome to the 473rd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those intriguing questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Alright, so this evening we'll be discussing a subject dear to our hearts, the question about history and the endless things we don't know about it. And we do invite your calls and comments, and the numbers tonight are 401-766-1240 locally, at 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Arthur Farum was born in Fort Worth, Texas, and moved with his parents at the age of 13 to California. After high school, he joined the U.S. Marine Corps, serving for nine years and receiving the Purple Heart Medal after being wounded in Vietnam. He later worked as a computer analyst and certified cartographer. It's a map maker, for those who don't know. After retiring, Arthur finished college and attended law school to prepare himself for starting his own business. He has, however, found time to research the stories of certain ancient information that has greatly influenced history and has been passed down through it, sometimes by means of his own family. <coughs> Excuse me. Arthur was the author of the book Ancient Signposts and his latest, La America. And he is the great Graham Hancock's uh, author of the month for September. And uh, this is what drew our attention to him, because we have a lot of respect for Graham, and as he's oh, been yeah. on the show. So. Well, yeah, Graham Han- Hancock is probably the uh, greatest scholar there is on alternative uh, human prehistory. Sure. So Arthur's websites include www.thenewporttower.com and www.thekensingtonstone. The, Ru- the, Ke- Kensington the, the Kensington Runestone. The Kensington Runestone. Sorry, I took out rune there. Dot com. And uh, Arthur Farham, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me uh, to speak with you. Oh, well, you are most welcome. So I know there is. this is a very broad question, but we like to start from uh, broad and try to hone down the answers. Uh, but can you give us a, a quick overview of your uh, work on North American history, and what are your conclusions? Well, uh, I started my whole book, both Ancient Signposts and... America are based on an ancient science called geoglyphology. And uh, the furthest I've traced it back so far is uh, 24,000 B.C. that they were using this. And I've traced it all the way up to the 1800s uh, before they quit using it. And uh, what this geoglyphology, I need to tell you this because if I don't, the rest of the broadcast will mean nothing to the listeners. Well, we don't want that, so go ahead. I need to tell them about the science before we get started with the show. Sure. Geoglyphology is nothing more than writings on the earth that describe territories of civilizations that lived during the time that they wrote the geoglyphs. And uh, if you think about it, if you can find these geoglyphs, you can find out a lot about the people that put them down there at the time that they put them there. Uh, a geoglyph uh, can be a, a building with unparalleled sides that point to different places. Uh, it can be a, a monument that uh, has sides that point to impo- 
important places or our borders on a country. Uh, late, later on, and around around uh, fifteen hundred, they started just writing, placing rocks on the ground, or digging trenches, or uh, less complicated ways of uh, making these geoglyphs. And all you have to do is take and get a bearing on the lines that comprise these geoglyphs and follow them using the protocols that these people have developed. And they, most of the time, lead to a boundary or a place that these people have traveled or where they were born or, or somewhere. And if, if you cross oceans, which all these things do, then you know that... Uh, a long time ago, people were traveling the ocean. In fact, they were traveling the ocean during the whole period from 24,000 years ago till now. And uh, what else? That's that's pretty much it right now. Okay. Uh, ben, can I get a question in here? I know you got... No. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people may be hearing this and, and, and uh, saying, well, geez, 24,000 years, that's you know, a long time. But, but, but this resonates with me because we've often said this on the show, too. You have at least, at least a million years of what we call prehistory that is just empty time. And there really is no such thing as empty time. I mean, people do things. Uh, there could have been a thousand civilizations rising and falling in those times. So, I mean, 24,000 is nothing. Exactly. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, so th- this does resonate with me. I think people need to take it seriously. Uh, I think that um, standard archaeology, which is now sort of, well, there are a number of things that, that I think it, it's doing to sort of expand its horizons, uh, needs to pay attention to things like this. So, well, I'm sorry. So, so that's just you, a comment. Go ahead. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, mainstream archaeologists at this particular time have reputations to protect, and in doing so, they're doing themselves and, and civilization a disservice because the people that are discovering all the great discoveries right now are, are non-archaeologists. Well, that's and, true. Uh, well, as you know, uh, science is uh, very political, and it's very unfortunate. So it's, it's often not the science that's a problem, but the scientists Exactly. Yeah. So, also, I, I don't want to monopolize the monologue here. So, so go ahead and. Uh, so, but, but, what? Uh, so, what are your essential conclusions about uh, what those geoglyphs tell us? Other, other than global trade and the very early period, which is really becoming obvious. Now, things of that kind. Right. Well, they're modern tools. We're beginning beginning to discover these things and starting to understand them. And uh, I didn't come across this geoglyphology until about five years ago, and uh, since I started using it and uh, using it to trace civilizations, I've traced the use of the science all over the world. Mm. So it's starting to prove Plato's uh, sayings in in his writings in Critias that at one time the uh, world was divided up into sections and and just like we have countries now, yeah. And uh, somebody was putting head in charge of each one, and this appears to be during the golden age of civilization, which was right after the ice age. Well, I mean, uh, there are a lot of arguments by historians that most of the stuff that Plato said was uh, symbolism, 
like he was really really big into like stories and such and using symbols for uh what's the word uh literary effect i guess exactly so how would you respond to people who say well that's not really true he's not meant to be taken literally well uh one thing that was i'm sure you're aware of troy that uh he talked about that uh, the uh, archaeologist said was a myth sure that has been found mm-hmm. and uh, geoglyphology is starting to prove out uh his talkings about uh the world having been divided up into sections, and that's what I'm finding with these geoglyphs. Hmm. Can, can you tell us more about the sections into which the world was divided? What the civilizations were like? Well, uh, l- 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 let me. Can I just pre- one preface to that? I'll give you the reason why. One of the reasons I asked that question, and and we there are a lot of people who we have on the show who think this is interesting. I believe, and a number of other people do, and perhaps you do, that we've gone from, as it were, stone tools to power tools several times, maybe four times, maybe more, in the course of this long, unknown history. And, I would not disagree with that. Yeah, and uh, either a war or a natural disaster or some other thing knocked us back to the Stone Age, because over all that time. So uh, go ahead and, and take it from there about what, what you found as far as what kind of civilizations these were. Okay, well... You originally wanted to talk about Newport, since that's where you're Oh, at. yes, of course. Yeah, oh, no, we're going to... It's our local area here. Yeah, and uh, I have a lot of information on Newport. Sure. Newport appears to be uh, the center of civilization in North America uh, since... Well, they'd agree least, with that. ...at least seven, uh, 5,000 B.C. Uh, there are at least seven geoglyphs that I have found that point to Newport Island. Uh, one is in Africa, one in Greenland, one in China, uh, two in the United States, one in Mexico, and one in South America. So, you know, this is pretty widespread group of geoglyphs pointing to the same spot uh, 5,000 years ago. So it would seem that Newport at that time was some pretty important place. Well, what would you say to those who, who might say, well, you're reading into this, you know, that um, there, there have to be a certain number of angles in a square and the geoglyph might just, it might be just coincidence. So what, how would you respond to that? Exactly. And uh, I have had people say that and uh, I've had them test it and I've, I've had them just draw a line anywhere on the earth and uh, see if it meets any of the protocols that are, have been established by these people that I had to learn before that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, none of them have met the protocols that are required to tell where one of these lines ends at. Hmm. All right, so could you tell us more about... This doesn't have anything to do with ley lines as such. These are just no, ge- geographical lines. Every interview that I've had, they ask that question. Yeah. And... and <laughs> The answer is no. It has nothing to do with the ley lines. Yeah, just clearing that up, yeah. Well, ley lines are magnet, a magnetic pattern of anomalies in the magnetic field of the Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have not studied ley lines. I have no opinion one way or the other. Well, not, neither really have, have we to any great degree. Um, I, I, I associate it pretty much with the telluric current myself. I really just don't yeah. know much about it in general. Okay. Yeah. yeah ge- geoglyphology is physical. You could, I, act, I have over 
I have over 1,000 satellite pictures of geoglyphs all over the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of them I have plotted out to their uh, destinations, and they all make sense. And uh, so... There's no doubt in my mind. I could prove, if, if I could sit down and talk to someone, I could prove within uh, oh, 30 minutes that make him a believer. So uh, lines must lead to the Newport Tower if Newport was so important. Well, there, there are seven that I know of, and okay. I'm sure there's many more. That's just the ones I've found. Many of these, the way, the way that I find these, these uh, geoglyphs is that many of them point to another geoglyph. And that, that's one of the port protocols that they used. If you can follow the line out and find another geoglyph, there's a reason for that. And that's why I have such a wide array of uh, samples, is because many of these geoglyphs point to another one. And I just go to that one and plot it out and then find them one more or two more. Okay. And uh, it goes all over the world. And some of them, like, for instance, I'm going to uh, Bosnia in, in two weeks, to speak about the Bosnian pyramid in, in uh, Bosnia. I don't know if you've heard about that yet or not. No. Okay. Well, there's a pyramid in Bosnia that was discovered about five years ago that uh, is bigger than the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Really? And, uh, of course, archaeologists have done everything that they can to say that it's a fake. Mm-hmm. But none of, them, none of them have gone there and done scientific studies on it. They just kind of walk over the... Land because it was made. The pyramid was made out of a mountain. It was carved. But what what a geoglyph, what pyramids do, is when they're carved or they're built like the Giza pyramids, the edges of the pyramid point somewhere. And uh, the the scientists have not been willing to, except for the doctor that found the pyramid and his cohorts the mainstream scientists have not been willing to go there and do the, the studies needed to either prove or disprove that the uh, pyramid is real. But I, I guarantee you, having used the geoglyph, that the, the pyramid is real. And not only that, one of the main uh, points in my presentation will show that the boundary between Europe and Russia was established uh, before nine nine thousand five hundred BC. So, who carved this pyramid? Uh, the Celts. The Celts. Okay, they they did yeah. get around, and they yeah, probably they, did carry on global trade. I mean, I've seen evidence of that that convinces me, and I'm not easily convinced. Well, the Celts. You, you know, modern historians will agree that the Celts at one time covered the entire continent of Europe, hmm. and they suppose they haven't figured it out yet. But they suppose that they came from somewhere around Russia. Well, this is going to prove all that. Okay. Because the pyramid, there's three pyramids in, in Bosnia that are right together that form a triangle. That uh, if you, you apply the geographical uh, criteria to it, perfectly outline the uh, boundaries of the current Europe. And if if you go over to Moscow... There's, on these older geoglyphs, there's always one radial that points to the geoglyph of the boundary next to it. And there's a 040-degree ba- uh, radial on the Bosnian pyramid that points to Moscow. Okay. So I, go, I went over to Moscow, and sure enough, the streets of Moscow are laid out in a geoglyph 
It looks like circles, but it's a series of straight lines. And I plotted that out, and it, it is a perfect uh, creation of the boundary of of the current Russia. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. The uh, Celts, for those who don't know, are generally associated in the mainline scientific mind as, as being associated with the British Isles, uh, the general vicinity of what's now France. But uh, there is a lot of evidence, as Arthur says, that they, they really, really got around. Oh, uh, they did, and they were run. They were run out of uh, Eastern Europe, and as they moved west into the British Isles and Denmark and uh, Portugal and Galicia, many of them uh, moved also to North America, and they would be the people that we used to call Indians. Mm-hmm. Well, well there's a lot of the Eastern tribes uh, have very European features. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's who they are. They're the people that uh, were run out of Europe. And well, eventually the Celts, and, th- and uh, eventually the Celts just, most of them all moved to North America. Interesting. Well, I mean, there was evidence, actually, uh, that... I'm trying to remember where it was. I want to say it was in Peru. There was... Uh, a bunch of archaeologists found, like... Um, I want to say it was Peru. I'm thinking Peru. It, they found, like, these um, Egyptian, like, pots. And they had no clue how they got there. So <laughs> they were thinking that there was evidence of, like, some global economy at some point. Yeah. And it was like... The, I was like, they'd have to sail a very long way to just trade pots. <laughs> well, when the guy there, can the, roll across the Atlantic Ocean, I mean, like... That is true, well, yeah. There has been global trade for millennia, and yeah. the the Americas, both North and South America, were kept secret because the Portuguese and the, and the Celts were coming over here and getting the minerals and the wood and the, whatever else they needed and going back to Europe and selling it and getting rich. And uh, that's probably one of the reasons I told everybody the world was flat. But uh, mm, the mm, Greeks knew it wasn't. Well, the Greeks that w- were Celtic anyway. So, so yeah, there's yeah. So why change history? Why change history? Yeah, like, I mean, if you think about it, why don't we know this stuff now? I mean, our ancestors probably knew. Like, heard all these stories of people crossing the ocean and well, such. Well, that's in my book, uh, America, and for you people listening, that's L.A. Space America which is Portuguese for the eastern, the, the western star. And uh, America came from uh, the Portuguese term to to America. A uh, means to, America means the western star. So hmm. America came from the Portuguese word of to America. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. But, but uh, what was your question? I think I, I got off track here. Oh, I said, uh, well, essentially, why change history? Oh, why change history? Yeah, why isn't this taught in our schools? Well, this is a long story, and I would prefer... We don't have time. No, we probably don't have time. (laughs) No, we can have you back. It is in my book, America, if you choose to look at it on on Amazon. Yeah, we'll we'll give you a chance to... uh, And I'm not saying that to sell my book, but it is a long story, and... uh, it would take me probably an hour to tell well, you. Well, it's a very th- you were kind enough to send us one, and we unfortunately did not receive the time to read it. Uh, but we, I'm, I'm going to. We'll probably get it in the near future. Oh, we'll, of we'll course, after it. after the show. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, okay, yeah. you you got it though. We we did. Thank you. Yeah, and, and okay. I, I intend to read it. It looks really. Matter of fact, I took it um, on vacation, but we were so busy with a family reunion, I didn't have a chance. You know, the Enos get together, anything can happen. But in any case. Mm. 
Um, I'm thinking of places like Gobekli Tepe, which which was in the news, and it went back. I may be wrong. We haven't had Linda on about Linda Moulton Howe on about this yet, but um, I believe t- almost ten thousand year old city. <laughs> I am glad you talked about that. Yeah, so please go ahead and, and mention that that was well accepted by everybody, and everybody's scratching their heads in the uh, archaeological right, yes. community. Why would they accept that, but not the Bosnian pyramid? I don't know. I don't but know. Anyway, well, maybe because mainstream scientists are working on it. That's probably why. Perhaps. Mm. But but anyway, and they will on the Bosnian pyramid as soon as it gets so uncomfortable that they can't stay away from it. Well, now, I don't mean to denigrate science. I mean, as, as I say, I think scientists very often are the problem because of the politics, etc., and, and the money and right. all this business. But... Um, there seems, I mean, and there are certain reasons why they need proof for things, proof at least exactly. in, in their book. You know, right. uh, documents or, or some, uh, some other corroborative evidence, that sort of thing. So we respect that, and I'm sure but you they do should too. Go out, they should go out there and get it. Exactly. Than, you know, not sit in armchairs and hurl down thunderbolts. Right. Exactly. I have no problem, and I understand why they have to, uh, to verify everything down to the latest thing, but, but most of them will not go out there and and prove it as a fake they just because they haven't seen it before and their professors have not mentioned it before they just automatically say it's a fake yeah so what about gobekli tepe well, what civilization was that part of it's a it's a place in greece by the way uh, not greece i should no, say a, turkey it's in turkey yeah right and uh discovered a few years ago and uh, amazing art and things of this kind uh, so right. why don't you go ahead and talk about it arthur well the They've only uncovered about 5 or 10% of it, and I went there. I, don't, I went there by satellite, and I performed geoglyphical uh, analysis on what they've uncovered. And it is a geoglyph, and I suspect, in fact, the part they've uncovered is a perfect, uh, outlines the border of Turkey, the very thing that it's in. Hmm. But... Uh, I suspect that when they get the whole thing uncovered, because it is a series of circles uh, with uh, pointers within the circle, it is a series of, of those, and I forgot how many there are, something like 21, I'm not sure if that's the right number or not, that they will uncover eventually. Uh, that will. My guess is that will be the map to all these territories that I'm working on right now. Okay. That's my guess. All right. And uh, the reason that I think they covered it up is because they wanted somebody to find it in the future and uh, restore the world back to the way that they had it at that time. Which was what? Which was the golden age when everybody got along and they had their own territories and didn't didn't have wars encroaching on other people's territories. That's funny. I was just going to say one of the, the greatest creators of historical and, e- and archaeological evidence and even anthropological evidence uh, is, our, unfortunately, our wars. And if, right. if you had a peaceful period, you wouldn't have as many indicators of it. Well, we, we both know the biggest cause of war, wars is religion. And well, I, think, I, thought, I think it's box myself money. Until... until uh, well, a gold had a lot to do with some wars, too. Yeah. But uh, I, it's been my experience that every war has an undercurrent of religion attached hmm. to it. Yeah. I often think religion has nothing to do with God. I don't know. But in any case... Well, it, religion is man-made, so you're right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I was wondering, um, why don't we come, well, actually, I think we better, we want to take our break now. But, you know, all right, if you want to take it now. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't want to get in the middle of a question and have to take a break. We have, we have, a, little, we have a little more leeway than we do on CBS here. So we will take a break. You are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON, 1240 AM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley, not far from the Newport Tower. And we'll be right back with our fascinating guest, Arthur Farham, just a minute. So stick with us. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Garrow, the host of PRN's Garage Pass, where I keep you up to date with all the latest NASCAR racing news. Garage Pass can be heard right here on WOON every Tuesday through Saturday mornings at 735 and is sponsored by Simon Chevrolet, 114 Fortin Drive, One Socket. Remember, Simon Chevrolet is always open online at simonchevy.com. Garage Pass, Simon Chevrolet and WOON, One Socket Radio, a win combination. Owen Radio, Owen Worldwide. And I wanted to just tell you about a few of the charities Ben and I have adopted recently. And uh, one is, of course, USA Cares, a marvelous um, group that helps, uh, financially helps, uh, many of the uh, U.S. active duty and uh, uh, veterans, families, and um, active duty personnel. Uh, we they assist all branches of the service, all ranks and components, and it's essentially financial aid. If there's a problem paying the mortgage that month for the veteran or his or, his or her family, uh, out goes a check from these people. They're they're really really great. So check that out at uh, usacares.org. Also, Canadian Veterans Advocacy. Uh, whether or not you are Canadian uh, listening, then remember that Canada has been with us uh, in the war on terror side by side for uh, the whole the whole the whole bit, and uh, many uh, have lost loved ones in Canada, and there are many wounded veterans there as well. So Canadian Veterans Advocacy, our good friend Michael Blaze is the uh, founder of that veteran himself, and uh, check that out at CanadianVeteransAdvocacy.org. And also Builders Helping Heroes, right here locally in Rhode Island, Rhode Island Builders Association Charity, building a home for a wounded veteran now for free for him and his family. Uh, he hasn't got family yet, but just his wife, they plan to start a family up in Burrowville, Rhode Island. And check that out too, buildershelpingheroes.org. Great charities. Okay, so let's uh, let's come back to our uh, very interesting guest here and our very interesting subject. Uh, Arthur, I want to give you a chance uh, before we burn up this hour uh, to talk about your books, where people can get them, website, etc., and uh, what else, uh, wherever else you might want to say you're working on. Okay, um, my my first book called Ancient Signposts was to familiarize people with the new science. Uh, well, actually, it's not new. It's an ancient science. I just happened to rediscover it. Mm. Uh, the first book, Anci- uh, Ancient Signposts, consisted mostly of explaining the science and uh, giving many examples all over the world of how it was used. My second book uh, goes into the history that is exposed by these geoglyphs, and it covers all the way from 43 B.C. in Galatia, which used to be the uh, capital of the Celts when they were pushed up against the uh, west of the the west coast of Europe, uh, all the way back up until uh, the Revolutionary War, and it explains how the uh, Vikings got started, uh, what happened to the Vikings, uh, what ha- how how people over here were were. Uh, colonizing in the uh, 1200s already in the United States, Europeans, and how the Sinclairs... I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Henry Sinclair. 
I've, uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, I wanted to get into your family connections as well. Okay. On <clears throat> well, Henry Sinclair was uh, the royal royal family of the Celts, and there's three classes of Celts. There's the royals, the uh, the uh, troops, and the freemen. And Henry Sinclair was the royalty of the Celts. And in 1398, he's supposed to have left for America and to hide the history that is behind what the Sinclairs and and the other people attached to that family did. They just said he just disappeared. Well, in my book, you'll find that I found the colony and the geoglyphs that prove that he made it to the United States and lived here in Baltimore, Maryland for I don't know how long, but it's clear that he lived here. And like most of my book, there is photographic evidence and the geoglyphic science to back it up. I try not to do do or say anything that I can't prove. Yeah, no, that that's always a good thing. Let, let's just for a minute go, come back to Rhode Island here. And uh, now, were I to go back, or Ben, or somebody, ten thousand years ago, or let's say twenty thousand years ago, what would we find in Newport? Well, twenty thousand years ago, I couldn't say. Okay, but uh, probably right after the Ice Age, you would see the people coming from Europe. Uh, yeah, the Ice Age is about 12,000 years ago, roughly. Uh, right, right. Yeah. You would probably find the people of Europe coming back to Newport, and uh, strangely enough, one of these territories that I was telling you about at the beginning of the show exists in North America, and there's a place in Minnesota called Inspiration Peak. You probably never heard of it. No. Uh, I know there are any peaks in Minnesota. Well, there are. But. Well, you wouldn't think so. It's not very high. It's only about 1,600 feet high. It's not okay. a big... That's twice as high but, as the highest point in Rhode Island, but go ahead. But it is the highest peak in the area. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, this peak uh, is a survey marker for the entire North American continent. It's 13, uh, 3,080 miles from the equator. It's 3,080 miles from the North Pole, uh, 1,362 miles from the northwest corner of the United States, and it's 1,362 miles from the northeast corner of the United States, and it's 1,362 miles down to Texas. And uh, uh, it's this is too much of... Uh, this could not be a coincidence. And the Newport Tower, which you, are, I'm sure you're interested in, uh, plays a big part in identifying this ancient survey marker. And based upon its size, because these, these areas were split up later on after the ice age, based upon its size and the size that I found of in the... Uh, the uh, Bosnian pyramid, I would suspect that this marker was surveyed about the same time that the Bosnian pyramid was because it took up Europe and Africa. And that's a larger area than than most of these uh, geoglyphs take up later on. And the Newport Tower was built to identify this survey marker. Uh, it, this Newport Tower is orientated on a 09 
273 orientation and the 273 radial goes directly through Inspiration Peak. So that's, that is the reason that the Inspiration, that the, uh, the tower was built. Now, there's some geometry that goes in to finding Inspiration Peak because you cannot see Inspiration Peak even from a satellite just by going along the 273 line and finding out where it ends. So there is some geometry involved in the Newport Tower to find Inspiration Peak and point to it. And there's a triangle that develops, if you know how to develop the geometry, that the vertex of the triangle winds up right exactly on top of Inspiration Peak. Well, there was some, I I don't want to say wars, but let's say skirmishes between the Norse who were trying to enter the United States and the uh, Celts and did not want them in the United States. Uh, some skirmishes that that revolved around Inspiration Peak because both of them knew that it was a, that was a sacred spot, and so the Celts moved 22 miles south and inscribed the Kensington Runestone, which gave all the geometry that you needed to describe what would be the territory of the North America, what eventually became the United States. And uh, if you do the same geometry that you do for the defined inspiration peak, uh, one degree to the left of the geometry for defined inspiration peak, it, the vertex winds up directly over where the Kensington runestone was found. And on the Kensington runestone are all is all the information you need to work out the boundaries of what we now know as the United States with some modifications that have happened over time. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to point out that, that the Kensington runestone found in Minnesota, uh, when was it found, Arthur? I, I don't quite remember. Uh, early, early, to, early 20th century by a farmer. It uh, was found, found about 1899, I believe, something like okay. that. Okay. Uh, as these things go, it is taken relatively seriously by many mainstream archaeologists, I should say. And it has has runes carved on it, and perhaps you could say more about... And and you're describing what these are, so so go ahead. Well, the runes uh, in particular are runes that the Celts used uh, in the area of Norway and Denmark. Yeah, it's ancient writing. It's ancient writing, Mm. And it is specific to to that territory, and the geometry that I was speaking about at Newport Tower uh, supports the fact that both the Kensington Runestone and the Inspiration Peak are legitimate. You know, you can you've had people for ever since the thing was found saying that the writing. This proves that the writing's not correct, and this proves that the writing's a fake, and this and that and other things. But mathematics is very hard to argue with. Yeah. Well, let me point out another <coughs> a local connection here. <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm. A local connection here in Rhode Island. Um, in the beginning of my book, Rhode Island, A Genial History, I start with the, the period that I suppose Arthur's talking about, in a way, of last ice age up to the current you know, so-called modern history. 
and there is um, there the inscribed rocks of the Narragansett Bay Basin, uh, so a number of which are very interesting. Well, you and, just had the Narragansett uh, runestone stolen, didn't? Yeah, oh, yeah. That well, well it, it's been stolen several times. They always get it back. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, um, I didn't know that. That along with a couple of other things around here. Um, such as the state's dignity lately. Anyway, anyway uh, the, <laughs> the, um, the, there, is, there were samples of coal found near what we call the Arnold Point Cupstone, which is another interesting story. And the coal, I, I beg your pardon, uh, and the coal, there was a coal mine there at one point. And sa- coal that came, was identified as coming from that mine has been found in Viking settle- settlements in Greenland. Exactly, just and, like I said yeah, before. And this is this is an archaeological fact that's, that's accepted. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, th- there is something to all this. So, I'm sorry. So, go ahead. Well, and, if uh, these archaeologists <clears throat> that we were talking about would just do carbon dating and, and chemical analysis on these things, they would come to the same conclusions that you and I have come to. But I have not found one uh, mainstream archaeologist or chemist yet that will get involved with this stuff. They just all just sit back and either ignore it or say it's a fake. So I, I don't know what to say. You know, you you can't uh, say bad things about science because it's necessary. It's a necessary uh, system. But the way people conduct themselves, that, that just leaves you to wonder. Well, and, well, again, it's human nature, I suppose. You've, you've yeah. got academic reputations at stake and all sorts of things of that. Of that. Well, it, I don't know how you can tarnish your reputation by trying to prove something's a fake. Well, you think so. Well, usually when people are our age and about, you know, they don't care as much, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> when you get older, retirement. you don't have anything, yeah. anything to worry about. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good thing about getting old. So, uh, now, I'm interested in your... your uh, Family connections w- with some of this information. Many of the in- m- much of the information that is passed down in families is very interesting. Um, you know, in our family, we had uh, my grandfather had a son had the same name, a very unique name of an ancestor from the 1400s. And how he even knew about that ancestor is bizarre. Never, never, never mind naming people after. So things get passed down in families. What's the story about your family and, and all this information? Well, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me about that because okay, well, you, we'll, we'll, it is so historical that uh, even I find it hard to believe. Uh, my, I've traced my family tree back to Galicia, which is in, with Portugal, is the oldest Celtic, in fact, the oldest countries in Europe, the boundary line between Portugal and Galicia, which is just north north of Portugal, right, yeah. is the oldest boundary in Europe. And uh, I've traced my heritage back to Galicia and, and a Celtic uh, community called Coronia uh, Galicia. And uh, during the period of the Muslim invasion of Europe, which happened in 400 A.D., uh, the, all the Galatians, not all of them, but the majority of the Galatians, Galatians moved to uh, Denmark. Well, my particular family moved to Zealand, Denmark, which is about 20 miles north of Copenhagen, and uh, their task uh, in the Denmark government was to collect taxes on ships passing through Orson Sound, which is only four miles wide, leading into the Baltic Sea. And so for since for, from 400 A.D. until 1498 
A.D. That was their purpose. Uh, later on, when the Templars came into effect, the Templars set up a training ground. In fact, Bernard de Clor, Clor, what's it? Bernard de Clairvaux. Uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, yeah. Yeah, Bernard de Clairvaux, who right. started the Templars in France, uh, opened a monastery uh, just north of Ferrum, Denmark, and uh, trained the Templars there before they went into the field. Yeah, the and Templars, so the, I, I, not to interrupt you, just in case anybody doesn't know who the Templars are, this was an order of knights This is rather interesting and rather exotic. Right, it's a whole nother, a whole nother story. Right. In, fa- in fact, most people think that when the Templars were disbanded by the Catholic Church and run out of Europe, that that was the end of them. But it wasn't. They turned around and Portugal asked them to come in and help rid the uh, Iberian Peninsula of the Moors. Well, the Galatians uh, wore Templars, and they were more than happy to help them. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, the Portuguese, who had already established uh ownership of North and South America deeded the portion that is now the United States to the Templars for helping them rid the Iberian Peninsula of uh, the Moors. And there's a big piece of history that most people don't know that's in my book. Yeah. And also what uh, also the true reason Columbus came to the Americas. It's funny, I was just going to ask you about that because I wanted, wanted to cover that as well. You say Columbus had a different mission than just finding gold and gospel. How, how much time do we have left? Um, uh, Fifteen minutes. Oh, Actually, okay. a little less than that. Okay. okay, well, I've got time to tell you the story. Then. Okay. Uh, Columbus, uh, in the early 1400s, went to England. Uh, he went to Portugal. He went to Spain. He went to Italy, uh, trying to find funding to find a route to uh, the Spice Islands, which were very lucrative uh, as far as selling spice to the to U- Europeans. And he could not find any funding. Well, after a few years, he went back to the king and queen of Spain and asked them once more for funding. And the, the, the king and queen's cabinet told them uh, that Columbus had miscalculated the distance to the Spice Islands from Spain and not to do it. Well, by then Portugal was working with Spain and and had already told them that the Americas existed and uh, that the Templars were in North America and the Portuguese owned all of Brazil and they did not, both the Portuguese and and Spain did not want Columbus to finally get funding and come over and find out that both North and South America were already colonized. So if you can believe this, they gave Columbus a piece of paper that said, you can live off the land in in Spain until the war is over and we get all the Muslims out of the Iberian Peninsula. And that meant that he could go into any restaurant, any tavern, any uh, bed and breakfast or whatever there was there, and with that order, 
they had to give it to him for free. Well, this lasted for six years before the war was over. So here Columbus had this freedom for six years before the war was over. Well, the war was over in, uh, I think it was April of 1492. Of course, I'm sure 1492 rings a bell. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, in in September of 1492, Columbus uh, got the funding from Spain to take three ships and come to to America. Well, Columbus was on one ship, which was owned by a Galatian, and the Pazone brothers, which were Muslims that ha- that already knew about the Americas and lived on the south coast of Spain, well, these Muslims should have been run out of Spain, but they weren't. There was some association with the king and queen of Spain, or they had something on these two brothers. But the brothers knew about the Americas. So they, they put one brother on one ship, on the Nina. They put the other on the other ship, the Pinta, and they put Columbus and Juan de la Cosa on the Santa Maria. And they started their trip to the Americas, and Columbus was the only one of those four that thought they were going to try and find a way to the Spice Islands. The other three were in collusion to keep Columbus from finding out that North and South America were colonized. Why didn't they want anyone to know that? And what evidence do you have that that was the case? Well, the Geo- Columbus placed geoglyphs when he got here, and I know where they are. And these geoglyphs uh, uh, show that Spain claimed the land between the United States, what is now the United States, and the land that is now Portugal, which is South America. And... That was Spain's motive to send them here, was to claim Central America for themselves. And the Pinzon brothers' reason for coming here was for gold, because they knew there was gold in Veracruz. And the book explains how this all came about and, and the steps that were taken to do it. But Columbus even years after he got back to Spain, still thought that he had found the Spice Islands because he was in the Caribbean, and there's islands all over the place. And uh, in spe- specifically, when they arrived in the Caribbean, the first place that they stopped was the exact corner of the Templar, the territory that the, that, uh, the Portuguese had given to the Templars, and they put a geoglyph there also. But uh, it's it's all spelled out, and uh, these geoglyphs show the territory that the Spanish claimed. And like I said, it's hard to argue with pictures and mathematics. Yeah, well, I should point out also that uh, you know most school children think that are taught that everybody thought the world was flat before Columbus proved that. I mean, that's not true at all. Any educated person knew that the world was round. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody knew that the world wasn't flat, but the reason they were telling everybody that, that the, the, the informed people, the royalty, knew that it wasn't flat because they were coming over here all, to the Americas all the time. I think my but ancestors if, thought it was banana-shaped. Well, if, if everyone knew about it, they'd come over here and start taking the riches that the royalty was 
enjoying already from coming over here. So, well, that makes sense. And there, there are many political and religious reasons why history was distorted uh, the way it is. And I cannot blame the United States for distorting it because there's other people that uh, entered into it. The, the United States had reasons for people to believe as they did and lied by omission as far as I'm concerned. So if you read the book, you, it, it's all spelled out there, and I think it'll become pretty clear. Yeah, I'll be able to uh, ask more intelligent questions next time, next time right. I read the book. So this is all pretty much about greed. That's very easy to believe. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, now I, I heard, I'm sure the mound builders come into this at some point. The, uh, they're considered Native Americans, but they're in the central part of the country, all, pretty well, much all the, the way down the center of the country, they built these animal-shaped mounds. And the, have the, you ever heard of Monk's Mound? Yes. Uh, just across from St. Louis? Yeah. That is a geoglyph that was made by the Celts, or, or the people that were here at the time. And uh, I don't want to say their name because I don't want to start a row over the radio. You can read the book to find out who they were. But uh, uh, that geoglyph was built because the Norse were trying to block the United States uh, passage to the West Coast. And the Nor- all, all the relics that have been found of Norse, Norse geoglyphs have been found from Minnesota to Louisiana on the west side of the Mississippi. So the Norse were trying to block the uh, passage of the United States to the west coast. But what they didn't know is that the Portuguese had already given them the whole thing. Now, people are going to say, okay, first of all, these are tremendous feats of engineering carried out in what is essentially a Bronze Age culture and without air travel. What say you? You're exactly right. And uh, all I can tell you is that from time immemorial, man has been studying the stars and traveling the Earth. And if you had a good model or good maps of the Earth, and you knew the stars, you could draw these lines uh, pretty accurately. Now, a lot of other people would like to say that UFOs helped them do it, but uh, I have no, I found no evidence of that. Man, man, if the, you said it at the very beginning, we have gone through many civilizations that were advanced or maybe even more advanced than we are. So... It's not inconceivable that these generations before us passed down this knowledge to these generations we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's just plain logic. Yeah, our ancestors weren't stupid. If anything, they're smarter than we are now. Yeah, probably, yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't sort of gauge uh, advance... Advancement as as in technological advancement. Yeah, it should be sort of moral and spiritual advancement. We're very... vain in the way we look at ourselves. Oh, we sure mm-hmm. are. Indeed we are. And uh, we are, we are, we're proving now that we have the technology, we're proving on a daily basis that we keep pushing civilization back and back and back further and further and further. Yep. Only 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, people would say that man was created 5,000 years ago. Now we've got uh, proof of 
of mankind that had a very high intelligence, oh, much of longer than that. Oh, yes. Is any of this knowledge being used today uh, other than by researchers? I mean, is it, is it uh, the, the, there's the cultural knowledge come out? Have any documents come down from these civilizations? Have... Uh, you know, uh, is, is it uh, traditions, things of this kind? I'm sure that we are not isolated from our ancestors in that sense. Uh, are there any, is, is there governments aware of this? Uh, is it still being every used for the government greed? That, every government that has ever existed since 24,000 B.C. has known about this, the, the officials of the government, and they have kept it from the common people. Why? Including ours. Now, why, though? Uh, I mean, why bother? I mean, you think they're bigger fish to fry. Well, a geoglyph, these geoglyphs are so hard to find if you're on the ground. I, I've, I've been out to try and find some of them. Of course, I found them because I knew they were there. But they're very difficult to locate because the... Uh, the lines and so forth are so far apart that uh, if you saw one, you'd just think it's maybe a trench or something like that. And uh, I think they built them that large so that the only people that would know about them was themselves. And if someone else contested it, contested their ownership, they could come out and show them that they had already conquered that land. All right, well, I'd like to pursue that, but we're just pretty much out of time. Yeah. Arthur Ferrum, thank you so very much. And uh, certainly local people, thenewporttower.com, check it out. And, Arthur, we'll have you back sometime, and uh, it's really been interesting. Thank you so much. All right. Call me back when you read the book. I will do that. Okay. Okay. good. Have a good one. Okay. So many thanks to our producer, Ben himself. And next week, August 12th, Ben and I will bring you an open line show on many paranormal topics. Send your questions or comments now to Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com or Ben at BehindTheParanormal.com or use the question form at the show site, BehindTheParanormal.com, which we should point out has been having a few issues. We've been unable to upload because of a uh, what the uh, they described as a, as a blunt force cyber attack. Funny, after we had Stan Friedman on last Yeah, I know. I don't know. So in any case, uh, we are working on that and just stay. Uh, you, can, you can get the podcasts at uh, iTunes for the CBS show on Sunday nights or at uh, onworldwide.com uh, for the, this uh, these Monday shows until we get that straightened out and get them uploaded. All right. So on our CBS edition of the show on Sunday, August 11th in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit. Uh, slash Windsor and Seattle and Vancouver and on Radio.com, we will welcome our friend Kathleen Marden for a discussion of what she has uncovered about alien abduction. And we leave you this evening with a thought from American journalist Sidney J. Harris. When I hear somebody sigh, life is hard, I'm always tempted to compare. I should say, I'm, I ruined it. I'm always tempted to ask, compared to what? Unquote. All right, so thanks for joining us on a great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.